just want to leave this place. Welcome to the Netherworld Emporium. I am your host, Mike Del Nero, and this is your spot for in-depth looks at the more macabre side of life and movies, including twisted fairy tales, folk horror, 80s exploitation, and other world entities. While I focus mainly on cinema, I'm also going to take some detours to look at video games, television, and other pop culture phenomenon with a dark twist. In the coming weeks, we'll take a look at the undead, including the ever-popular trope of zombies, ghosts, and other phantoms. And I'll take a look at the ancient beliefs that inspired many of these tales. After all, the ancient army of the undead was very real at one time to people living in Greece. In the coming months, you can look forward to hearing about necromancy, which is communicating with the dead in ancient Greece, the popularity of pop parlor seances in Victorian London, and a multi-part series on what I'm calling Necrostalgia, the phenomenon in which once dead or near dead pop culture tropes return. Everything from Stranger Things, Scream, the Final Fantasy video game, to retro horror toys, and more. So please hit the subscribe button and follow me, and join me for a journey into the dark woods and the less traveled road. Just be sure you brought your flashlight. Such sights to show you. To age my voice, an old hag's cackle. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the Netherworld Emporium. Now, this week, we are talking about Snow White. And you might ask, well, I thought this was a podcast dedicated to all things macabre and dark. Well, we're going to go a little bit down the rabbit hole and look at Walt Disney's inspirations for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And actually look at how some versions, and there are many, of the original fairy tale are far more macabre than what we might have seen in the Disney film. All right, so step in and we're going to take a journey into the woods and look back on Snow White. Now, I'm sure we all have fond memories of watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Uh, and it is interesting that they call it Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, F-S, rather than V-E-S. But... Um, Snow White was released in 1937. And uh, this was the first animated film ever made. And in this film, Walt Disney and his team of animators pioneered many techniques that are still used today, uh, including the multiplane cam, in which objects in the distance uh, appear as they should, as they actually would if you were looking at them in real life rather than looking distorted or being too big, uh, the background and the foreground. And Walt Disney won an Academy Award for this. Um, so uh, let's start off with, obviously, one of the most famous songs from the movie uh, with the 
Seven Dwarfs singing Off to Work We Go. So, uh, obviously one of Disney's most famous songs still sung to this day in the Disney parks. Um, however, uh, going down and looking at the original version of the story uh, and some modern interpretations beyond Disney, there's been a lot of versions of this, both in film and in literature. Uh, but Snow White is born. Uh, and again, this was a tale collected by the Brothers Grimm. Brothers Grimm, in short, went all over Europe, mainly Germany and France, and they would have people submit tales, and then they would write them down. So here is the birth of Snow White as told by the Brothers Grimm. Three drops of blood fell onto the snow. The red looked so beautiful against the white snow that she thought, if only I had a child as white as snow, as red as blood, and as black as the wood of the window frame. Now, as we know, in the Disney version, the queen is motivated by vanity. Over the seven jeweled hills, beyond the seventh fall, in the cottage of the seven dwarves, dwells Snow White, fairest one of all. So when she learns that Snow White indeed is the fairest of them all, she sets out to have her killed. And in the Disney version, we know that she sends a huntsman out to rip out Snow White's heart. The huntsman, however, is overcome with pity and by Snow White's beauty. The queen! The queen! Up her child! Run! Run away! Hide! In the woods! Anywhere! Never come back! Now, in some other versions of the tale, uh, the queen is actually uh, successful in killing Snow White. Um, and in other versions of the story, for instance, in the Grimm's version... The queen demands Snow White's liver and lungs, which she plans to cook and eat. So this idea, like we talked about uh, in episode one, the monstrous feminine uh, and cannibalism, where the mother or the stepmother, the surrogate, actually eats the child. And we've also seen this uh, in Sleeping Beauty. Um, she actually does cook them and eat them, believing that she's eating the lungs and the liver of Snow White. But actually, they are the organs of a bear who the huntsman kills after letting Snow White goes. So as we can see, the tale there actually does get uh, quite macabre in its origins. But that's not all. Uh, there is another version of the story told in Italy. Uh, and the queen demands Snow White's intestines and her blood-soaked shirt. So the queen makes these really uh, sort of bloody demands uh, in proof of Snow White's death. Now, in uh, a Spanish version of the tale in Spain, the queen demands a bottle of blood, and she wants that bottle of blood to have Snow White's toe as the topper, as the sealant that keeps the blood there. So 
as we can see, there's a lot of dismemberment and cannibalism and uh, just blood in these early versions of the story that were told throughout Europe before the Grimms collected them and compiled them. Indeed, in one of the most famous scenes in the movie, uh, the queen, who will become the Wicked Witch, asks the mirror who is the fairest in all of the land. Magic mirror on the wall, who now is the fairest one of all? And obviously, uh, she does not get the answer that she wants. Indeed, she gets a very, very different answer. Because Snow White survived after the huntsman took pity on her. And the mirror responds, My queen, you may be the fairest here, but Snow White is a thousand times more fair. So Snow has taken refuge with the dwarves. And the mirror again will speak to the queen and tells her, Here, you're the fairest, dear queen, but little Snow White, who plans to say to stay with the seven dwarfs so far away as now the fairest I've ever seen. So ever since 1938, Disney's version of Snow White has dominated the way that many think about this story. Um, and like many fairy tales, it's a far more subversive and uh, bloody in its original versions. It's also a little bit different. So in the... Uh, tale as written by the brothers Grimm uh, there's no kiss it's not a romantic story it's not the magic kiss of a prince that wakes up the fair Snow White she's woken by a prince but it is only accidentally in the original version um, well not the original version the Grimm's obviously compiled many versions and then made their own out of it uh, but the queen, the wicked stepmother, tries many times to kill Snow White over and over and over again. Keeps trying to kill her uh, and actually succeeds. She kills Snow White because of Snow White's very naive nature and how cunning she is. The wicked stepmother is very smart and very tricky. So despite... Uh, the dwarf's constant warnings, Snow White continues to let this old woman in the house who is actually the queen in disguise. And in the diversion uh, by the Grimm's, the dwarfs keep telling her, hey, if that old lady comes by, don't let her in. That's actually the queen in disguise, and she's going to try to kill you. But every time the queen would come by in the disguise of the old lady or the witch, as we know her in the Disney version, Snow White lets her in. So she's very gullible. Uh, and the dwarves are constantly having to save Snow White. So uh, the dwarves are, are so patient with her and they just keep taking care of her. But the queen, you know, keeps getting in there and tries to kill her over and over and over again. So how does the queen exactly try to kill her? Well, many, many different ways. In one version of the story, uh, she gives Snow White this beautiful dress and Snow White puts it on, and then the dress actually uh, squeezes her so hard that she suffocates. In another version, she presents her with this hairbrush and brushes her hair, and the brush is actually poisoned, 
And so the brush ends up killing her. But perhaps the version we know best is Snow White is killed by taking the apple. So we all know this scene in the film where she shows up and gives her the magic apple. Girls are not take the apple, dearly, and make a wish. So she tells her that this is a magic apple and that it will grant her her wish. A wishing apple? Yes. One bite and all your dreams will come true. So as we know in this version of the story, Snow White bites the apple and then essentially uh, falls dead. Um, and she is then taken by the dwarfs uh, and placed inside this glass coffin. So uh, the dwarfs mourn her and they take her out uh, into this field. Now, uh, not field, but like a, a mountain area where she is kind of uh, laid to rest. Now, in the Grimm's version of the tale, Snow White is imagined as being much younger than she is in the Disney version. In fact, she is only seven years old. And there's a number of reasons for this. The first one being in that in early centuries, childhood was much shorter and the conception of childhood was much different. Uh, children were expected to integrate with the family and uh, keep up with chores and other duties. Uh, this was before the time of public education and compulsory education. It's interesting that art and paintings that have been made since the time that the Grimm's published their version do represent Snow White as being much older, uh, perhaps in her late teens or even early 20s. Another thing to note is that in the Grimm's version, as well as other versions, the dwarves are very tidy and clean. This differs from their, uh, how they are shown in the Disney movie as being kind of cluttered and dirty and uh, Snow White comes in and cleans up their cottage. In the Grimm's version, it's much starker, starker where they strike a deal and they say, okay, you can stay with us, but you have to do our housework for us. Uh, so this is again an example of the way that gender roles are uh, sort of represented in the original version of the fairy tale. Another thing that the Grimm's version uh, does not do is does not differentiate the dwarfs. So of course in the Disney version we get uh, happy, duck, sneezy, and so on. Um, but in the Grimm's version, they're just seven dwarfs and they're not given individual names or identities. All right, so now we need to talk about the prince coming along to rescue Snow White. And this happens quite differently in the Grimm's version of the tales than it did in the Disney version. Oftentimes, the fact that the coffin of Snow White is made of glass um, is well known from the film. In other versions of the story, the coffin is made of gold, silver, lead. Uh, it's even jewel-encrusted in one version. Work by Gilbert and Gubar called Mad Woman in the Attic uh, talks about the angel woman who is Snow White uh, versus the monster woman who is the Wicked Witch or the Queen. And this is oftentimes read as sort of the duality of femininity as it was imagined at the time. Uh, 
Uh, and we'll talk more about that in another episode because that is a whole other story. Uh, the dwarfs in this version of the story, in the Grimm's version, adorn her coffin with her name in gold letters and they bring her to a mountaintop where they mourn her and they keep watch over her, hoping that somehow she will revive, but knowing that this most likely will not happen. This version is far less romantic than the Disney version where it's a magical kiss that wakes up Snow White. Uh, the prince comes along just by happenstance and he sees Snow White in her coffin. And he offers to buy her from the dwarves. He says he'll give them whatever they want. But they refuse. And they say, there's no amount of money you could give us. Go away. But they do give in, however, when the prince promises to, quote, honor and cherish her. Now, here is an important differentiation between the Disney version where it is the magical kiss that wakes her up. However, in this version of the story, in the Grimm's version of the story, the king's men pick up the coffin, and as they do so, they drop it on the ground, and in this kind of surrealistic scene, it bounces, and Snow White coughs up the piece of apple that was stuck in her throat, and she's just like, hey, I'm fine now, no worries, and then the prince is like, I love you, and she's like, I have feelings for you too, and off they go to get married. Now, as befits this uh, Grimm's fairy tale with oftentimes the macabre endings that we've seen, the queen must be punished. So naturally, there's going to be a wedding between Snow White and the prince, who in this version is not known as Prince Charming. He's just the prince. So the queen, of course, is invited to the wedding. She doesn't know what to do. She freaks out because the mirror again has told her that Snow White is the fairest in the land. But she's overcome with panic, so she goes to the wedding. Bad move. And here, as soon as she gets there, lo and behold, the dwarfs, the excellent craftsmen and miners that they are, have a pair of iron shoes that they've heated over a fire. And they place the queen into these shoes where she is forced to dance until she dies from exhaustion. So again, we can see this tale ends quite a bit darker than the Disney version in which as she's turned into the witch, she falls from the mountain. Now, there have been numerous interpretations of Snow White. Uh, one such version is called Mirror, Mirror, that was directed by Tarsem Singh. And it stars Lily Collins, who you may know from Emily in Paris, and Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts plays the uh, queen. And she plays it with kind of this really interesting bit of humor where she's kind of sarcastic. and But she does, she talks to the mirror, and the mirror is this really kind of different construct than it is in, in the Disney version. But at the very end of the film, the mirror in, in this version is actually her own reflection talking to her. And she does all of this magic in the film. And at the very end of the film, she's warned by her doppelganger or the mirror, what can happen when you play with magic too much? And she doesn't willingly turn herself into a witch, but instead 
she withers up and turns into a witch as the penalty for using magic for evil purposes. And in a twist, when she goes to the wedding, Snow White presents her with the apple. And so we have a very interesting twist on the tale. Now, so far, the versions that we've talked about have continuously had the uh, queen as the evil one and Snow White as the good one. But recently, Neil Gaiman, who famously wrote uh, American Gods and uh, created the Sandman character and is just a really amazing author, Neil Gaiman and Colleen Doring wrote a graphic novel called Snow Glass Apples. And this is a complete inversion of the tale. And in this version of the story, and it's beautifully illustrated by Doran, Snow White is this very uh, evil, quiet vampire. And she preys on the queen's insecurities. And the queen in the character, the queen character in this version, is still a stepmother, but she's kind... And she's wrestling with this idea that Snow White is going to come and kill her at some point. Uh, the dwarfs in the story are depicted as very rough and gruff, uh, and they're shown very differently. Uh, and it's a really interesting twist on the tale. So that's it for today's episode. I hope you've liked what you've heard on this episode of the Netherworld Emporium. So please... Subscribe on your favorite place, wherever you get podcasts, uh, whether it's Spotify or iTunes or wherever it may be. Also, be sure to follow us on Netherworld Emporium on Instagram. Next week, we will be focusing on one of the scariest movies of the last decade and perhaps ever, The Babadook. So please join us then. And in the meantime, have a wonderful week. Thank you.